Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We have become the source for authenticity and exactitude here in Southeast Pennsylvania in the Delaware Valley, right here on this station, AM Radio 1180WFYL. And it's because you've all identified our show as a guidepost for truth seekers everywhere. And we appreciate that very much, folks. We know that you're buckling your seatbelts every week and you you transition from topic to topic with us as quickly as we do. And we do move very quickly at the speed of sound. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in to us every week for the facts and the added bonus of my opinion. So thank you very much for being with us. Let me just jump right into it. You know, I've heard people talk about the sting operation that Trump put together here. And again, I, I'm, I'm going to call it a sting. I've been calling it a sting for some time. But I, I just believe because of the 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 Phil, uh, the, the, the Colonel Waldron's uh, testimony that that the White Hat Brigade, the 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 you know the the, the hacking uh, teams that, that that were in place, they were in place from back in August 30th. Okay, from back in the summer, that's evidence that we have that that Trump was proacting here, and Trump had something in place. I think Trump let them steal the election and walk through the front door. And that's what I think he did. And I say this because that's the way a sting works. Okay. You let them proceed with the crime and then you sting them and make the arrest. They did this in the wide open. So they, they really were very confident in themselves and in their own ability to, uh, to get away with it. And so they just were very arrogant about it and they had to do it in a big way. Because Trump was going to win in a big way. So they had to commit a lot of fraud. And because of the electoral process, they had to do it in different states. And so it was very apparent. And folks, they got caught. They got caught. And, uh, you know, this whole thing was just, it was not just another four-year election. This was not your standard presidential election we see every four years. This was a sting operation to bust the deep state's fraud game wide open. That's what this was. And what we got to do is we have to ask ourselves, and again, ask ourselves a few questions here to, to understand if there was enough evidence put together and and if we think this thing is, you know, it's going to be an effective way of taking away the plausible deniability. See, the one the number one, the number one defense for the deep state bureaucrat is plausible deniability. They, they kind of like uh, depend on it. Okay. And so Trump knew this. And, and I think, I think personally Pompeo was in on this. I think there's certain people in the administration that Trump counted on that he trusted with this, a handful of people. And he put together this operation and they, you know, he, he got it. I'm going to get into the operation itself, but I just want to make this a point to understand, to explain this to our expert listeners here, because this is why you tune in to our show every week. We have to ask ourselves again, the plausible deniability that is always there. So I've heard it said by elected officials, gee, I just wish Trump stopped it before it got started. I mean, he knew if he was, if he had a sting, I don't understand why he would want to sting it and said, just stop it. Why didn't he just stop it? 
And I think a lot of it is because he wants people to get in trouble for it. He wants people to pay the price for this. He's trying to bust a swamp in the deep state, and this is the number one weapon they use. You see, folks, in a republic, you have to have a republic cannot survive without virtue. It cannot survive without virtue and integrity. And, and integrity in the elections is a must for any republic to survive. Otherwise, it will stoop down and and regress into, okay, into a democracy where fraud runs rampant. And and quite frankly, um, democracies are where fraud can exist. Democracies are places where situational ethics can thrive and the loud voices get their way and they can convince through intimidation and yelling and screaming and, and overwhelming action. A handful of people can can make themselves seem like they're overwhelming at times and they can force a retreat by the majority, by the, by the principled people within the democracy. And so that's why we call them mob rules. I think it's why a lot of a lot of people refer to democracy as a mob rule type of government. But one thing is for sure, a republic cannot survive with election fraud. And with vulnerable elections, elections vulnerable for fraud, that sets up the republic for, for failure because a republic cannot survive without without integrity in the elections. A democracy can. And so what I mean, that's what democracies are. And of course, the, the, the fake democracies, which are the uh, socialist, communist states and the totalitarian states. But they're all kind of fake because democracies all have set up elections. They all have giant fraud system problems within the election itself. And then you hear a lot of people when the losing party cries foul. I mean, you hear a lot of people say, well, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? And then, of course, when they come up with evidence, they say, that's not evidence. We need we need you to prove it more. I just think it's an amazing phenomenon that you're seeing a lot of even today. Uh, people are denying what they're seeing with their own eyes. I mean, it, it's like they live in an alternate universe. I mean, they can actually believe that what they're seeing is not evidence. Like the videotape in Atlanta, after they after they pulled the, the 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 fire drill, if you will, and vacated the building because of a because of a water pipe leak, and they left a handful of people behind and. And the cameras rolled as those handful of people pulled out bins and bins of ballots from underneath the tables, and they proceeded to they proceeded to keep counting. I mean, look, this is what is visible as evidence, and you've got people that say, "Well, it doesn't prove anything." <laughs> I don't know. I think what it comes down to is, I think this is why I think Trump's sting operation is so delicious, because they just don't believe that Trump has the numbers, and I think he does have the numbers, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So we have to ask ourselves, was it proven that corrupt officials filled out many of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of blank ballots? I mean, what if it was proven, right? What if it was proven? What if it's proven that corrupt officials conspired to destroy legal ballots? What if it was proven that corrupt officials conspired to organize non-citizen voting? And what if it was proven that corrupt officials conspired to store and safeguard blank ballots in a safe place for the purpose of using them later? These people, of course, being the ones that have control and the of the issuance of these blank ballots to the public. OK, what if it was proven? You see, the deep state is going through with their plan. They're propping up Joe Biden and blacking out the news. They're blacking out the facts. Then they're pretending that all of this isn't really occurring. 
lawsuits are going on. And as I stated, folks, they're they're kind of moving the evidence out. They're, they're moving on with the evidence. They're dripping it out and the information with a specific plan in mind. Now, right now, right now we're working with, I guess there's different phases of this whole thing. And right now we're in the phase of public awareness where they kind of roll out some evidence at a rate that coincides with a certain plan. And I guess let me get, get to that in a second. I, I, I want to kind of give you a picture of that. You know, when Giuliani testified in Pennsylvania and Gettysburg that the state of Pennsylvania counted 700,000, more than um, like almost 750,000, 700 plus thousand more ballots, more mail-in ballots than they mailed out to citizens, okay, to voters. When it was mentioned that that came right off the state's website, that they actually counted almost three quarters of a million more ballots, more than was actually mailed out. I, I remember talking to one of our elected officials. They said, well, you know, that I heard today, and that was a few days ago, they said that the governor denounced it as saying it was a mistake on the internet, mistake on the web, a web posting error. And then a few days after that, Trump's team rolls out a truck driver who testified under oath with an affidavit and so forth and, and was there and, and is willing to testify that he is a witness, a credible witness to driving in on his truck, picking up loads, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of ballots in New York that were already mailed out, ready to be counted, picked them up in New York at a mail building, a mail office, a post office building, a particular administrative building that does not deal with mail processing. But these ballots were there. Why? Okay. Why were they there and not at a mail processing building? Okay. I mean, again, as I ask these questions, our listeners, our expert listeners will come to their expert opinions. And, uh, you know, don't take an Einstein to figure this out, folks. I mean, I, 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 I kind of kid around with that. But, I mean, bottom line is it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out that there's fraud there. I mean, why these ballots? I mean, they weren't just mismailed through the Postal Service and somehow ended up coming back way by way of New York because they were at a building that doesn't even process mail. So this truck driver testifies. He picks up these hundreds of thousands of ballots and brings them into Pennsylvania for counting. So after the governor goes out and says, this is what happened and offers his plausible, deniable answer by, you know, this is just a website error, posting error. Then all of a sudden Trump rolls out the evidence that calls the governor out on his lie and his excuse and his feeble answer to what happened. That's the reason they roll out evidence the way they roll it out. They want to, they want to get a response from the defendants in these cases they want to try to get a response to the evidence that's being thrown out there. They want to hear the deniability. They want to hear the excuses, the premature answers coming out. I can assure you that the answer that the governor gave will can and will be used against him in the court of, of law and a court of public opinion right here on this station. Okay. <laughs> right here in this discussion. But look, I am sure too, again, that that this fraud sting is going to be a lot like this. It's going to produce suspects, and eventually it will produce suspects in treason. It will produce it. It's likely that the fraud sting that we're seeing was part of a master plan to root out the deep state. 
As I stated, that's kind of likely what I think the plan is. You, you, you know, you want to remember, folks, you want to go back a little bit back to 2018 when Trump issued his executive order that defined how sedition and treason will be defined and punished. Remember that. If you go back to it, you can probably duck, duck, go it and you can figure out whether or not, uh, you know, you can read it yourself. But he basically, in kind of a sum up, defined how sedition and treason is going to be punished. And also remember, too, recently, it was maybe a few months ago that Pompeo actually put out a list of governors that are friendly to China. Do you remember that? Didn't make a lot of headlines, but it was it was it happened on that list. Governor Steve Ducey in Arizona was on that list. I thought that was intriguing. Okay, I wonder now if other governors would be on that list. I don't know. I mean, because what we're looking at is the possibilities of possibilities, if you will, of people who who uh, maybe, I mean, it's going to be uncovered. Who who in the world was out there in these states that allowed this fraud? Who who it was that profited from corruption with foreign governments? You have to understand it, it's a federal crime when you're when you're profiting from foreign governments in this country in, in corruption. It's a federal crime. It's not a state crime. See, I I believe, you know, Trump's in front of the state assemblies and we're seeing this and the legislative bodies. He's presenting a linear storyline as to what took place and the governors and the secretaries of state. And other witting and unwitting participants to election fraud, they may provide quick answers and counterpoints, which kind of lock them into a storyline that's going to be submitted as evidence. That's what I think is happening here. And I, I, I gave the example of that with, with the Pennsylvania balance. I thought it was funny how the governor's response kind of locked him into a, a, a storyline and, 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 you know, it, it just locked him into it, into what took place. Now, what we're seeing in Arizona, this is, this is a very intriguing point, and I wanted to bring this up. We have a guy by the name of Dr. Shiva. He's an MIT PhD mathematician and research scientist. And if he doesn't have that, if he's not credentialed enough, if he's not credentialed enough for you there, let me just submit, folks. He is dubbed uh, by by many to be the inventor of email. Okay. Well, this is the guy that created the weighted race algorithms. This is the guy who exposed these algorithms. He created them and showed them how they could be created and put on these machines. He exposed the election fraud, folks, that occurred in Arizona and Michigan, and he testified as a witness before the representatives in those hearings. And, and you know, he was initiated by Trump's legal team to utilize legal avenues. This guy was brought in. See, this is another point. We talked about retired Colonel Waldron and how he has his his uh, his teams out there. Okay, we talked about that, and you know how Waldron's got his teams out there, what they call the uh, the white hat, you know, voting machine manipulation cyber teams. Okay, I mean he put them all out there, but Trump also had this guy Dr. Shiva in place, and this guy was actually building a system in which to expose the election fraud in the machines. And I think that's very compelling, okay? Because like I like I stated, 
He's been testifying as a witness before these representatives. Okay. And um, this is this Trump's legal team brought this guy in. Okay. To, to utilize the legal avenues to fight the election fraud. That would mean the, that that's going on right now. I mean, so this is where we're at. So Trump brings this guy in and the fraud that occurred during, I, I think it was the Republican primary elections was only a precursor to the fraud that occurred on a massive scale, particularly in Democrat run swing States and critical Democrat run cities, such as Philadelphia, Atlanta and Detroit. So this guy, Dr. Shiva exposed the weighted race feature in the voting machine programs, software, and functionality. And he exposed the way in which the state election officials had ballot images deleted. Don't miss that. So he exposed in these hearings how these elections, how these state elections officials actually moved to have ballot images deleted. So let me explain what a weighted race algorithm is. You've heard me talk about this kind of in a general term. I mean, I, I've talked about this on our show, probably with a 1,000-foot flyover. Now I'll talk about it with a 500-foot flyover. But it basically eliminates one person, one vote. That's what it does. See, the electronic voting systems software enables the administrator to increase or decrease the value of a vote by multiplying it by a decimal. So one vote can be increased in value by multiplying it with a decimal with with a great with a value greater than 1. The value of a vote can be decreased by multiplying it by a decimal with a value less than 1. I mean it's pretty basic math. It's not common core math. This is real math. Now, in Arizona, votes for Biden were increased after being multiplied by 1.3 and votes for Trump were multiplied by 0.7, decreasing the value of each vote for Trump. Now, folks, for me to say this, for this to come out in the testimony, you've got to understand that they have evidence that can prove this. They can prove this happened, okay? So as I stated, this guy testified to the Arizona Congressional Committee that the secretaries of state in several states disabled the features on these voting systems that link tabulated votes with the ballot images, making it impossible to verify the actual number of ballots that are cast for any candidate. So again, as I stated before, and, and a lot of people may have heard me say this, so I'm going to repeat it. Forgive me for doing that, but I want to make sure anybody listening to our show for the first time gets this. Trump had the linear timelines of the vote tallies as they came in minute by minute by minute. This has already been presented as evidence. We saw it. And he brought these things together so you could see the massive spikes that came in in certain minutes and certain times. The spikes of votes, the hundreds of thousands that came in in a very short period of time that were 99% for Biden. And again, these are machine counts. So Trump already had this, this, this kind of like a, analysis, if you will. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, how in the world did he get that information? How did he know when those votes came in precisely when they came in? How would he know that unless he got help from the secretaries of state 
which, by the way, we know isn't happening, not to the extent that he needs to get the help. Because he's having to get court orders to do things like examine machines, okay? No, it didn't come from the secretaries of state. Did it come from CNN's election night coverage? No, I don't think it came from that. So what we're seeing is that Trump had run an analysis surveillance type system to measure what was happening on these machines on election night in these states. And he could see the minute by minute. So he knows when he goes to a machine what's supposed to be there. He knows what's supposed to be there. And, you know, these these markers are supposed to be there. That's the bottom line. He knows this. But, again, we're not, I mean, so he's able to go back into these machines through the analysis, a forensic analysis, and actually match up the information that he has that was run on election night and see if the machines represent that or still have that. If they don't, then they're going to know the machines were tampered. Well, in Georgia, mysteriously, folks, so here we go, the machines that they sequestered in Georgia have turned up missing. Okay? As of a few days ago, they weren't available to, to analyze. So I don't know if they have them by now, but I will suggest to you it was reported by Sidney Powell that the machines were not available. They didn't have them. They were missing. Nobody had them. Nobody knew where they were. Because they know that Trump has this information and they can measure this in these machines. So the only thing I left is to keep the machines from Trump. Make it so that he, he needs another court order to see them or something. I don't know. Maybe they're going to fight the court order. <laughs> I don't know what their plan is. Or they're going to try to recreate what happened on election night. I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. But they're nervous because Trump's able to do this. And again, we talked about the ballot markers. I, I think what's really telling on all of this, and when you look at it and you realize, you have, the, these machines do not have real-time audit logs or ballot markings, and so they can get these things off. And, and, and this is what this, this, this PhD, okay, this is what this guy, Dr. Shiva, has explained to us, okay? So he's testifying, okay, that, you know, before these committees, that as he details the analysis that, that, that has exposed the, the manipulation of votes in this election cycle. And again, quite possibly the, great, the greatest fraud perpetrated ever on the American people. I mean, and, and who it was that participated in this, who it was that was enabled, who, who, who it was that was bought and paid for by, by, by whatever, who, whomever to get this done, I don't know, but to expose the fraud. What's interesting, too, is how big tech went after him. And I talked about big tech. I mean, who it is, who is it that controls the world? I mean, who controls the world? The big tech, I mean, you've got the, the big tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, and others, they have more income into their coffers than many countries in the world have for total GDP. They eclipse the GDP of many countries. I think that's very telling. So they're going to be part of the Democrat attempt to cover this up. And they are. They're, they're, they did to this fella, too. 
you know, they, they actually did to this guy. I mean, Dr. Shiva has been evaporated from Twitter. All right. I mean, they, they literally, they, they evaporate this guy. He doesn't exist on Twitter right now. You see, and, and I believe again, because Trump and his white hat brigade of hackers has all the evidence and they have all the data and they have all the goods on the deep state fraudsters. They have it. And I'm going to break this out a little bit differently here today because I want our listeners to understand. When someone claims that a crime took place and they're clamoring that a crime took place, like just say, for instance, someone's claiming that their building was broken into. Well, they can claim it. And as the discovery begins, the evidence discovery begins, they begin to realize because different thresholds. First off, the threshold to determine whether a crime took place is very, very easy to hit. So the preponderance of evidence as to whether a crime took place. I mean, they're looking for this. And so they go there. And, and But that's the point. So when you have somebody declaring there was a crime and then you have a preponderance of evidence that a crime did take place, you have evidence that a crime took place now. Well, we actually have people that are saying that sworn affidavits and sworn testimony from people, from witnesses, is not evidence to prove a crime. Folks, that's ridiculous. Of course it's evidence. It's absolute evidence to prove a crime took place. I mean, you would have to live in the fifth dimension to believe that that's not evidence of a crime. Let's cut the comedy here, folks. Of course it's a crime. When you have sworn witness testimony that a crime took place, then you know it was, you know, obviously that's huge evidence. So now it's going to prompt further investigation because now the sworn testimony is going to be talking about specifics. So now you're going to drill into specifics. It's a graduation of expanding the investigation and the discovery as it goes forward. That's what this is all about. Now, believe me, folks, I mean, three Supreme Court justices on the state of Wisconsin Supreme Court Three of them said there's definitely a preponderance of evidence that fraud took place. This has to go further. Now, that's three of the seven. Now, even though the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled not to see it, they only did that because of the protocols that they have in place for the, the lower courts. And I believe it. it's just going to go to the Supreme Court anyway. It's going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. SCOTUS is going to see these cases. SCOTUS is going to see them. Okay. You have to you have to understand that's just how this goes. And so right now in this particular phase that we're in, this discovery phase, this is where a certain amount of evidence is released to just alert the public, to, to, to inform the public and to heighten their awareness of the fraud, okay, and to basically get the fraudsters, the guilty people, or the people trying to cover up for the fraudsters, into a corner with their premature answers. And we talked about that. Now, Phil Waldron, he testified that he he was he has actually seen the internet connection and has the information, the proof that the information went overseas from those voting machines. Now, folks. 
That's something I don't want our listeners to miss because that's obviously a federal crime as well. There's so much here that would debunk these elections. Now, Waldron has, he's, a, he's an eyewitness testimony to this. He's an eyewitness to this, okay? But he can also prove. He has the proof. Folks, they, they secured the servers in Europe. They got the servers. The U.S. Army got those. Those things are very secure right now. They can prove that this information went there. So, again, he was asked by a questioner in Arizona, well, why are the governors and the secretaries of state then? Why are they denying it? And I think Phil Waldron's answer was perfect. I mean, he he answers the question as to the deniability of of the of the the heads of state and the heads of these state elections as to why they're 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 going into denial here. He says, I don't think they, he says, it's, it's possible they don't think that we have the complete information, the hard evidence of what exactly happened. Now, uh, you know, that's, that's really where we're at. Or they just want to deny it. They want to deny that it ever took place. They just can't believe something like that could have happened. They want to give, well, they want to give the, the, the benefit of the doubt, if you will, the presumption of innocence, you know, that fraud took place. Look, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be honest with you, folks. I mean, I think it's a little bit more nefarious than that. I think Walter was being very, I want to say, very professional and very uh, correct on how he answered that. But make no mistake about it. The people, I mean, either these state leaders and election leaders, either they're abject incompetence. Or they, or they're covering up. I mean, it's one or the other. I mean, they're, they're they're completely incapable, or they're covering it up. So, but anyway, in Arizona, right now they're preparing a resolution to recall the certification. That's delicious, and I wanted to bring that up because that's happening. That's happening in Arizona. And I thought it was interesting was Giuliani tried it, but he could not get a meeting with the governor Ducey of Arizona. But he had called the governor to call on a special session. That's the same thing in Georgia. They're going to pressure these governors politically to, to do the right thing because it is real. It happened. Look, I think the reluctance to call out the voting machine fraud, folks, I, I believe that because possibly there was a quid pro quo there involved somewhere. And maybe the governor saw, maybe somebody saw, some high up official saw, someone saw a quick buck and were given phony assurances that the machines were of the machine's integrity. And, I, you know, I, I don't think they were trying to cheat the election. I think they were just playing politics and I think they got tooled. I think some of these people were absolutely tooled. I think there were people with a nefarious cause to, to bring these machines in and they convinced these elected officials somehow that that these were quality machines and they would be fraud proof and uh i think there was a little something there i mean who knows i mean they're gonna have to prove it but there's a reason that people do what they do and money money can bring many people to corruption money can corrupt anybody the only people that money cannot corrupt are people that have all the money they need people like donald trump okay he is incorruptible with money. 
I just, I mean, he's like the 140th richest man on planet Earth. He had all the money and all the power that he ever wanted. He did not need the president's job. I think he was motivated to do it because he had the ability to do it. And I think now that he's done it, he's become missioned on a mission to preserve this republic and prevent it from from sliding into a democracy, which is what he's trying to do here. But whatever the case, folks, any governor who denies that these machines were connected to the Internet after a credentialed, credible witness swears that and, and that he'll go under oath and testify as true. OK, put himself out there with risk of jail time. There must be a reason for the deniability and reluctance of other than stupidity. OK, or just out downright incompetence. And that's why I say what I say. I mean, look at Gretchen Halfwit, Gretchen Halfwit, the governor, Gretchen Halfwit in Michigan. Gov- governor Halfwit in Michigan gave Dominion twenty five million dollars. And the governor in Georgia gave Dominion $100 million for their machines. I thought that was something. And again, they're, there's, they're going to have to answer as to what happened. I think there's people there that are going to say, why did you bring these machines and why these machines? Now, it could be an honest thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times businesses choose to do business with other businesses. I mean, officials of businesses choose to do business with other businesses. It has nothing to do with, with quid pro quo. It has everything to do with the service they think they're going to get. Okay. Um, and maybe relationships with people. That might be something to do with it, too. I like these people. They're nice people. They're friendly people. I like them. Whatever. Who knows? I mean, but it may not be abject corruption. I don't want to jump to that. But they're they're fighting the proof of, you know, the, 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 the discovery phase here is, is very concerning to me. They're resisting the discovery of evidence is concerning and obviously resisting to do what's right. You know, what's interesting is when with the Michigan and with Michigan, we had the uh, Miss Perone. She was an elected official, election official over there in Detroit. And she, I mean, she dropped some smash mouth truth on these people. And, you know, basically on Halfwit's attempt to steal the election, Governor Halfwit. Look, she blew the whistle on Dominion workers being there. I thought that was interesting. She talked about the Dominion workers being there. And we had one senator even ask the question. He says, so are you telling me that Dominion had executives there? Why would they be there to supervise the counting? I don't understand. And why would they have technical support there? I don't understand why they needed tech support. This is what I thought. And the senator asked the question. Very good question. I mean, why would they be there and why would they have tech support? Because this Miss Perone, she was a, a now she was an independent contractor who worked for Dominion. So she's testifying on this, okay? So she's a she's a very credible credentialed witness. And she said everything that took place in Warren County was fraud. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, she said it. And she said that there's a whole lot more, folks, that I'm not revealing right now that I will reveal later. But I was asked not to reveal all this right now, so I'm not going to put it out there. But there's a lot more to come, folks. And she said that, too. So what we have is we have, again, these people that are, as we talked about it, we have these people with evidence that are just kind of, I want to say holding back, but they're presenting it in a, 
in a in an incremental period because they're trying to get responses from people. I think there's it's, it's interesting. That's the way a sting works. And and a lot of times and, and of course, but once it goes to court, once the case is in court, they have to have full discovery and they have to present what evidence they have. So by not being in court and by presenting this out front, they're coercing these governors and these other people to offer up explanations to the fraud. I mean, there was one Democrat senator that was asking, he couldn't understand why they would be processing the same 25, 50 ballots, fit the same 50 ballots over and over and over. And he goes, why would they do that? Obviously, people would see that. And she, she looked right at him. She said, it happened. I saw it. And I think what's really interesting on all of this is that, again, an eyewitness with credentials and credibility is very strong evidence of fraud. I'm going to say that again. Because I want our anybody listening to this show to be encouraged. When you hear the fake news and the Pravda propaganda commit media malpractice every day by saying there's no evidence out there and the Trump team hasn't produced evidence yet. And then you even hear our own Republican lawmakers say, we haven't seen enough evidence yet. Remind them, please, that an eyewitness to a crime, an eyewitness to a crime that is willing to testify under oath with the risk of jail time for lying under oath, that they witnessed a crime take place is credible evidence. It's evidence, folks. Make no mistake about it. Now, there's other strong evidence that'll help substantiate these eyewitness claims, but an eyewitness claim is huge, and they have a lot of it. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. Miss Perone is an eyewitness, and I'll tell you what, she was strong, and she was fantastic. And there's another thing. It's funny how, how Trump had certain people in place. In Delaware County, he had an expert. Uh, I, I'm trying to think the guy's name, but there was a fella who was a retired CEO of a company or something. But he was, a, I, I can't remember his professional. I don't want to keep repeating things I don't really know for sure. But I know he was a professional. The guy was a, was a credentialed professional who witnessed the fraud in Delaware County. And he knew how to present or package, if you will, his findings so that he could present that package of findings as evidence to Giuliani's team and Trump's team. I said to my wife, I said, that guy was either in the right place at the right time or he was put there deliberately to be in that place at that time. I think that Trump knew and he had certain credentialed, credible people that were strategically placed around so that he could get the evidence he needed to find the fraud. He knew where the fraud was going to take place and he made sure he had credible eyewitnesses present to see it in Atlanta, present to see it in Detroit, present to see it here in Pennsylvania. That's something. Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss that. So Miss Perone blew the whistle on these Dominion workers. As I stated, she was an outside uh, contractor for them. Now she again, she got into the ballots being processed and processed. 
But she went on to say, and this is interesting, she talked about the ballots and what happened after they were processed. See, normally, the way the systems work in Detroit is the ballot runs through the machine and they drop into a sealed box. So they go to a sealed box and they can't get out of it. They can't get them out. It's a sealed box. But in Detroit, they use those sealed boxes to create barriers to prevent the, the canvassing observers to see anything. They actually use those sealed boxes as sort of barricades. <clears throat> so what happened in Detroit, okay, was they were 100%, all of the ballots were 100% set aside into counters' hands. That's right, folks. Counters were able to have to rehandle, rehandle and recount and recanvas these ballots. This is what was happening. And Miss Perone testified to this. Folks, don't miss that, okay? <clears throat> and again, I mean, she was among other credentialed expert witnesses, and they've all clearly shown that there's so much more to come out of this. Every one of them talked about, look, there's more to come, folks. I mean, look, the, the idea that Trump was prepared for this, that Trump anticipated this, and that Trump allowed this crime to happen, he allowed these perpetrators to come in the front door, okay? This was so he could bust the entire game, the entire scheme of these evildoers. And trust me when I tell you they're evildoers. This is an attack on our republic. And I don't want to miss that. I, I just thought it was very interesting on this. Because, you know, we look at it over and over and we understand there's so much more to this. We understand there's just so much more to this. And as I stated before, you've got these people like, like Phil Waldron out there testifying. And again, he's out there and he's part of this white hat brigade. He's out there breaking this down. And then you had this this doctor, Dr. Silva, uh, Silva from uh, Shiva, I'm sorry, the MIT PhD who invented the email. He's out there as well. You know, folks, what we saw and again, the media is out there now trying to deny this happened. OK, you can't deny that the software of these machines, OK, are designed to cover up their tracks. You can't deny this. And again, they're, they're going to easily prove it. They have the goods on these people. They have the goods. And as it goes on, it's going to, it's going to develop. Okay. I mean, you know, we have people ask, why did, why did attorney general Barr answer the way he answered last week? Remember, I guess Barr was asked the question, and, uh, you know, he was asked the question about, you know, was there enough evidence to sway the election? I thought that was interesting. And, and but his answer was just. It was just out of place. <clears throat> you know, I, I believe that Barr's answer. Was I, I like I'm going to say misplaced, but Barr's answer had a lot to do with the fact that I think Barr is being let. He's kind of like not being included into all of this. That's what I think is happening. I think there's something to say of this. But. I mean, whatever the case is, I think Barr, the attorney general's office prosecutes, the FBI investigates. The attorney general's office doesn't generally do a lot of investigating. They can assign people to investigate, but generally speaking, they get the case. They're, they're the district attorney. And law enforcement prepares the case for the district attorney. So he was asked and, and he retooled his answer. 
But I think he's a little put out that I think maybe possibly, and I'm just presuming this, that maybe Trump did not include him in some of this. I don't know. I don't know. I do believe that Trump kept this into a very tight circle of friends, a very tight circle of trusted, trusted people. And um, he couldn't let this out because he did not want this to not happen. I, you know, look, I said this before, and I, and I believe this. You know, I mean, you know, what you what we witnessed in a lot of these places in this fraud, I mean, and I'm going to get more into that in a moment. But if Trump was able to stop the fraud from taking place and he won in a landslide, he'd be glowing about that landslide victory. His supporters like me, because, again, this is an opinion show. And that's why you tune in. You tune in for the facts. You tune in for the truth. But you also tune in for the added benefit of my opinion. OK, and I appreciate that. And that's why you're here. This is an opinion show. But it is it is my opinion that that Trump put this thing together and to, he, he, he wanted to bust the fraud ring. He wanted to bust it. See, if they just put this off to the next guy came in, because most people I mean, Trump's a one in a one in a million guys. I mean, he's he is not your normal run-of-the-mill politician. He's someone that that just, he's like the unstoppable bulldog. I mean, he just, he's so persistent and so re- resilient. And, you know, I mean, so resolute. I mean, this man wakes up as, you know, I've heard some of his people say, um, he wakes up every day looking for the fight. I mean, he wakes up in the morning looking for the fight. Trump truly has this and he wanted to make sure that the fraud happened because he's not afraid of losing it. I believe, too, he has he has a couple of aces in the hole or maybe one ace in the hole. I think he knows because he's probably has an indirect channel somewhere to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's just my opinion. But I think he's got some indirect channel somewhere. I think he's out there. Uh, he, he's got he's got the confidence that the courts are going to rule as a constitutional court will rule. And I don't know, maybe he just believes it in faith. Maybe that's just as simple as that. Maybe it's as simple as that. Hebrews 11, 1, okay? The confident assurance. All right? I, I think, you know, he, he probably just, maybe he just has that. But whatever the case is, as a Christian, I believe Amy Coney Barrett was put in there. And I believe it was God's, God's intervention in the nick of time rescuing this republic in the nick of time. I believe she was put in there for that purpose. And I believe all of these cases are going to go to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is going to see this. They're going to look at this fraud. They're going to, they're going to see it all. And they're going to say there's definitely a preponderance of evidence, folks, that these elections, the outcomes of these elections are very much in doubt in these states. So I, I need to, we, we need to not certify these elections in these states as per the Constitution. The Constitution is very clear, very, very clear, folks. Don't miss that. You know, the Constitution is very clear. And I think it's very apparent because when you look at how the how the Constitution reads, and again, you, you understand what um, Article 2, Section 1.2 says about it. The state legislatures have the sole authority, okay, to select delegates. It's as simple as that. And when they don't have the confidence in the system, then they have the authority to, to do this. 
And if, this, if even though they've regulated it off, maybe maybe per, by statute, maybe by statute, they've regulated it off by statute to the Secretary of State. But constitutionally, folks, it doesn't matter because I don't care if 90 years ago this happened or not. It doesn't matter. This can certainly be rescinded because this, the Constitution is the document, is the, the DNA of a republic. And there's no way you're going to go against the Constitution is very clear on this. So the state assemblies have the ability to do this. So, I mean, we got to have the confidence in the system. we got to have confidence that Trump is able to bring this together. I want to get to Nevada a little bit. I thought Nevada was very telling. And we talked a little bit about what's happening in Nevada. But a judge had to order the Clark County officials to allow an inspection of the election equipment. And we talked about this earlier in our show here today. Why is it taking court orders to enable discovery for Trump in trying to figure out, you know, what evidence is there to, to, to see if fraud took place? Aren't they interested in trying to find out if fraud took place? Why are these governors, why are these state leaders forcing this to go to a judge for discovery? Unless, of course, they know they've got something to hide. Okay. And I, I look, the first judicial court in Carson City, Nevada, issued, uh, issued uh, you know, issued a, a directive to, to allow these voting machines to, to, uh, to be inspected. Because we have an issue of people voting that live in different states in Nevada. We have the lack of any meaningful observation of what was going on with the signature verifications. And we have provisional ballots with people voting multiple times from different precincts. We know that, too. There's evidence of all this. I mean, they have provisional ballots rules varying from precinct to precinct. I thought that was interesting. Okay, we had that here in Pennsylvania as well. But what that does is it disenfranchises a person's vote. It's it, 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 it's a, That's the constitutional question that I believe in Pennsylvania is very strong. I mean, illegal voting drives. And, and, you know, there's a lot of ways you can have an illegal voting drive. Look, when you register a voter and we, you know, I'm the chairman of the Burst Republican Committee. When we register voters, what we do is, you know, we have an event and then we have voter register, register to vote, you know, signs up, say register to vote. People come in and obviously we're pushing the Republican policies, the Republican ideas and theology. But when people register, I mean, we don't look at whether they're a Democrat or Republican, we're just talking to voters. We're informing people. Okay. Illegal voting drives are where you're like throwing away a party's registration forms or something. And, and also too, I mean, you know how they're going about it. I mean, and, and they're just, are they harvesting votes or not? And there's ways of looking at that, but the signature verification issues were the big ones. And in Nevada, they used a system called the Agilis signature verification. I believe it's called the, uh, it was a some sort of a well. It's, it's, it was made. It was it, they called it a, a Gillis balloting sorting systems is what they were. A guy by the name of Joe Gloria, the Clark County Registrar, announced that they discovered many discrepancies in Clark County. Now the the Act AB four, which en- enabled them to just send ballots out to every person with a pulse. Enacts provisions for conducting elections adversely because of. Well, things like COVID. Okay. What I thought was interesting in all of this 
is that this was put together two months before the election. And I think the uh, the defendants in Nevada tried to say that Trump waited too long to file his case or whatever. But that was a joke. That was one of their reasons for trying to, to try to prevent this from going to court. But we have to understand that the governor called a special session of the legislature to enact this. Okay. And what they do, and this is what they do, and this happens on school boards. I was on a school board too. Is that you get your packet of information, you get your information, and you know, you you put as much time as you can into it. Now, these are paid legislators. I don't know if they're paid, let, uh, I should say, I don't know if they're full-time legislators or not in Nevada. A lot of states have part-time legislators. I know Rhode Island does, or they did. They don't have full-time legislators. So they're paid a little something, but they're not paid a lot because they have jobs, okay? So what might happen is, this, you know, they call it, and, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if they're full-time legislators or not. I know here in Pennsylvania, they're full-time legislators. But in Nevada, I don't know. So why don't we just presume either full-time or not? But this was put together. The governor gives him the information. And he says, we want to have AB4 enacted, which enables us to send ballots everywhere. And then he gives them verbal assurances of the security of the system. But, you know, false promises, not substantiated by actual safety measures or control measures in place. So they, they do this. He puts this thing together, okay? And then you get these unwitting Republicans signing on to it because, after all, they want to be cooperative. And, you know, we have, a, we have a moment of coming together. We want to, you know, we want to meet them halfway. We want compromise. This is what we're all told. But in all reality, they trusted the governor is what it is. They trusted this guy not to lie to him. And I'm not saying there was lying in there. I'm, I don't know anything about what took place and how this legislative debate took place. All I know is they passed AB4 and they did not have the system in place to measure and count hundreds of thousands of ballots in these counties. They just didn't. You know, I mean, they didn't. They, they were going to get 30 times the number of ballots they normally got. And, and they just don't have the they didn't have the personnel in place. They didn't have. They didn't have the system in place. So they actually had a, I want to say a, a system, if you will. They created a system where fraud could actually take place. I thought that was interesting. And they created it there. So anyway, in Clark County, which is where Vegas is, they knew they were going to get all these extra ballots. So they made a unilateral decision to go out and get these election uh, Gillis voting sorting systems, which would verify the signatures. And they used this system without scientifically testing it. I thought that was very intriguing as well. So they didn't even test the system. So when the system ran off all the ballots, they ran off a bunch of them, and 70% were rejected. They had to recalibrate the settings that whatever they did, they didn't because they didn't have any experts to do this. They, they just got these brand new machines. Nobody understood them. So they recalibrated the settings down a bit or whatever. And then it started passing everything. It passed 99% of them. And what they did was they took the 1% that were rejected and they had those handled and I witnessed and people said, well, you verify one letter. That's all you need to do. And that was just kind of the standard thing that went on in Michigan and everywhere else. How do you verify a signature by eye? So many of them just look at one letter. If you can match a letter, we're just going to let it go. That was the way they talked about it. But there was no meaningful certification for these signature machines. So my point is the court's going to hear this case in Nevada and I'm very confident that Nevada's one of those states where I believe Trump's going to have a victory because you can see where you had a dual 
you know, a dual action, I should say, you know, you had double standards, if you will, but you also had, you know, you did not have equal access and equal opportunity there. You had people, again, that went through the strict, because you had in-person voting. So if you voted in person, you went through an, you, ver- you went through a very strict chain of custody, if you will. And uh, if you did the mail and you didn't. So anyway, I just want to bring that up, what happened in Vegas. That was another very important statistic. But folks, I just want to wrap it up here. We need to keep the faith. There's a whole lot that's going to happen here. And yes, fraud did occur in plain sight. So don't miss this. Keep the faith, okay? Just understand that God is sovereign and he is in control. And uh, right will prevail. So we're going to have to leave it there, folks. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for all of our listeners uh, letting us explain the unexplainable to you today and unpack it with a punch. And I think we did that very successfully. So thanks for tuning in. See you later on today. We're going to have a lot more discussion with Annette Baker. So tune in later on the state issues. I want to get more into the state issues. And we got that with Annette. So tune in later today for that as we get into that with her. A great show lined up this afternoon at 1 o'clock right here on this station, AM Radio 1180 WFYL. So thanks for being with us today. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.